quick, like, 45-second introduction, and then we'll get going. All right. As the crow flies on the Vance Crow podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. This is an As the Crow Flies episode, which I do on Fridays, but it's a little bit different of an episode because I was working out an idea. I was going to take a clip from a presentation that I gave at the New York Farm Bureau, and uh, when I went to sit down to think about how would I explain this, I remembered a conversation I had with the president of the New York Farm Bureau, a guy named David Fisher. Mm -hmm. And he actually told me, he was really honest with me. He's like, I didn't really understand that part in your speech when you talked about the lie your character once believed. And uh, so we talked about it a little bit more and and um, I'll explain that on another episode probably. But it made me realize like, you don't always know what you think until you say it out loud. And then it's really helpful when somebody sits across from you and they say, that didn't, that didn't make sense for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I realized I didn't have any content for my podcast today. <laughs> and uh, I was sitting around being like, what am I going to do? Because I've, I, I want to put something out that's valuable. And uh, I had one option where I would just come on here and be like, hey, my podcast isn't coming out this week. Listen to this other podcast. I think it's really good. But then I thought, why not call? My buddy Jason, Big J Bird, <laughs> and uh, and and with that idea, I called you. You said you only had a few minutes, mm-hmm. and I realized like this could be just a good time for me to talk about some of the things I've been doing, some of the things you've been doing, and I really want to get your thoughts on um, a book club that I am trying to kick off. Okay, and uh, so there's no agenda here. It's not going to be the like let's travel through Jason's life story. This time it's just have a conversation. Cool, and uh, we'll go till you got to go. You got to go pick up your son, right? Right. Nice. He's got American Ninja Warrior class. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, that's right. What do they do there? Jump around, uh, do all kinds of weird stuff, stand on a ball. They throw stuff at them. And Pull they that microphone up to you. So they keep their, uh, a lot of balance stuff, agility. He just jumps around and it's, I don't know, like builds fearlessness. I mean, it's, that's pre- great. it's pretty cool. It's pretty Has cool. Your, have you read Jocko's book, Way of the Warrior Kid? No. I read... Um, Extreme Ownership. Yeah, that's right up your alley. Yeah, that one was. I really liked that book. I loved that book, and I uh, I did the audio one, mm-hmm. so you get to hear Jocko's like. And then that's what I did. <laughs> exactly. I snapped his neck. We're in Ramadi. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's good. And uh, but he has a book for kids, and my brother Dan, uh, he and his son Oliver read it, and it has changed Oliver's whole mentality. He's now exercising. He cares about what he eats. He wrote a warrior code. Mm. And uh, I had a woman on last week, uh, Christy Wiebeck, who was this woman that um, uh, found out she had cancer. And so she wanted to like cure it. And she was talking about, well, I realize that I my children are growing up, but they might grow up without a mother. She mm. lost her mother when she was really young. Mm. So what can I do to teach them the lessons that I would want them to know? If I only have a short amount of time. And when she found Jocko's book, she was like, bingo, I'm going to get wow. that book. So that's my book recommendation for you. Way today. of the Warrior Kid. That's right. And I think there's more too, but that that one's right. the, the primary one. Right. So speaking of books, um, I last Friday said, hey, I, I want to start a, a book club and I want to use this concept of something being Lindy. Have you heard this idea? Mm-mm. So Lindy is the idea that uh, an artifact in culture is likely to be around for as long as it has been around. So let's say like a New York Times um, best-selling book, Bill O'Reilly wrote, you know, Killing Lincoln. It's been around for 10 years. It's likely to be around for 10 more. Okay. If you go back to Kill a Mockingbird, it was in the 1960s. It's likely to be around for 50, 60 more years. 
same thing with the Bible, 2000 years ago, now 2000 years in the future. And the, the, the guy that came up with this concept and other people around it say the reason that certain stories last is because they're archetypal. They really get at the core, some really core story about being human. Mm-hmm. And so the older the book is, the more likely it is to be really deeply embedded into culture. So I wanted to start reading those books, but I know that just like running, if I don't have a goal to get to it, like mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. And so with reading books, I could just say, well, I'm going to read 12 books this year. Or I could say, I'm going to read books and I'm going to start having conversations with my friends about those books. Mm-hmm. And so I, I put out an idea that people should read a Lindy book. And I'm going to suggest the first one. And then I have another guy, Lyle Benjamin, that's going to submit January's. And then we'll see where it goes from there. But I just want to do a test. And Lindy, I'm sorry, Lindy is a list of books? No, no. Lindy is just a concept, a concept right? And it's right. to say, and, and like... It's like it's, Old Man in the Sea. Right. That's right. likely to be around for whenever Hemingway wrote that. Right. The 40s or something like mm-hmm. that? Yeah. So it'll be around for another 80 years. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. So it doesn't have to be a thousand or 2000 year old book. It could be a hundred years old. That's pretty Lindy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just to get away from what's going on in the hyper changing world of culture that's going on right now. So the book that I, uh, want to read is Dante's Inferno. Okay. Have you ever read that? It's parts of it. I have, I have not read the whole book though. When I read it, I think it was in like college. I could get through it. The words are not complicated, mm-hmm. but I don't think I was like really aware of what was going on in the story. Mm-hmm. And so I talked to my buddy, Rob Long, and uh, he was telling me about the story of Dante's Inferno. And I was like, oh, my God, it's like a double entendre, right? Like there's there's two meanings. It's really explaining something else. Yes. Yeah. Right. And the and essentially it's the guy there's a human that that is i don't even know why yet i haven't started it yet mm-hmm. but he goes into hell and he's accompanied by virgil and they they go past the different circles of hell for what people's crimes they committed what sins and mm-hmm. how are they tortured for eternity and as you get deeper into the circles you see there are worse and worse punishments because they are worse and worse mm-hmm. and uh, the, uh because of what they did was worse and so i'm interested because i think that that's describing like it's not the the hell that you're going to have as eternal damnation and punishment. It's the hell you create for yourself in your own life. Mm-hmm. So I want to see what he thinks are the deadly sins, the ones that get you really punished. Right on. And so and then I want to have a book club about it. I want to find a way to have other people that have read this book have a way to like interact. And I don't have a creative way to do it. How many people do you think will sign up? Well, right now I've had one guy already tell me he he just read it over Thanksgiving weekend, and I've had about maybe seven or eight people on Twitter, some of them I've never met, mm-hmm. uh, saying, "Hey, I'm in. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it." You can do you can do Instagram Live, you know, you can patch people in. So I mean, you can be the moderator and then tag other people into the conversation so they have a chance to speak. Do you know how? Have you ever done that where there's a split screen no, on it? Uh-uh. Yeah, you could do that and like. And everybody who's has read the book and follow in and they can list comments at the bottom. That's cool. Can yeah. you do it on your computer? Because most things on Instagram, it's got to uh, be on your phone. I, don't, I only I'd like never on a computer. So you did. You've done this on your phone. Yeah, you've done this. Not the book club thing. But no, like, but I mean, like using the Instagram live and the moderator. Yeah. For what? What do you do? Um. No, like so let's just say that like Tyron Woodley, right, is uh, at an MMA event and he's going live i can send him a comment do put me on 
and like he'll do a split screen and then it's me and him talking and everybody can see he and I talking, right? So they see my FaceTime, they see his FaceTime and they say comments, right? So he could ask me some questions. You could do an interview that way. Oh man, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. I'll try that. that. That'd be cool. Um, I assume not everybody is in St. Louis. Yeah, no, right, 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 right. All over. Try that, man. See what works with that. I don't know. Maybe there's some other. There could be, you know, Uber Conference. No. There's a free service called Uber Conference, and it gives you a conference line. It might kind of suck to call into a conference call to Yeah, I might. I like that. this idea of the Instagram one because I have Instagram, and mm-hmm. I, like, throw stuff up there occasionally, but I am not spending enough time to actually learn how it's useful. Mm-hmm. And I see it clearly is to some people. Oh, like, dude, yeah. for sure. But I like it feels like it's so much time to learn how to do it that even I yeah. feel frozen in it. I get it. I get it. Some I mean there's there's always updates and advances and whatever, but the uh some of it's intuitive as you start to go through it. And I think like running it for a business or doing it personally, like I don't know. I just think it's interesting. It aggregates like all your interests. If you go and press search, like maybe some people don't really know this, but like it aggregates what you're spending time looking at. And so like all my stuff is like cars and working out and probably some girls and then like cooking, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like And so like all the stuff that, and so I looked at my wife's phone. I'm like, what is, what is it showing for you? You know? And like, it's aggregates. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is like a pretty, See, you know, that is actually like, you know, you think about something that's scary that the black mirror type thing, that one's scary to me because it's like, you just keep seeing more and more of the thing you already like. It's an echo chamber. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I like Twitter. And I get so angry when Twitter tries to show me stuff that other people have liked, but it's not somebody that I follow mm-hmm. because I just want that thing to be a very clear stream of exactly who I've followed mm-hmm. saying, Hey, they thought this was important enough to put out. I don't want Twitter giving me ideas because they're never going to get it right. Right. And that's the point. Like, I don't want somebody else controlling what I would see. I want an uninterrupted feed. Man, I feel like hitting notification, but like Instagram has gone the way it's known by Facebook, but like it used to not be that way and it progressively becomes that way. And then they start selling you things, right? And I'm like, man, this sucks. Like, I understand what you're saying that you want, but then man, there's so much work and I understand why they do it. There's so much work that goes into maintaining those networks, you know, smart people that, but I think like, you gotta pay them. And, the, and the challenge is that you want to be in a place where there are enough people that you can interact with, not just the people, you know, but the people you right. don't know. But I, so I think that the only people that will ever see ads in the future are people that can't pay to get rid of them. And so, because like right now that's already going on. You, you buy Apple TV, you're paying to get rid of, you know, you never see a commercial. You watch Netflix, you don't see commercials. People are willing to pay money to get that time back. And I pay for YouTube so that that way I don't have to watch all the 30 second commercials. So my speed with which I can maneuver through YouTube is way faster. And if Instagram would do that, done. I've never thought of that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And the only time you'll see them is if you're using a free service or you're driving around on the on the road, right? Or or a podcast has them, I guess, you know, has underwriting or whatever. Yeah. Or you pay for the premium podcast, which doesn't have yeah. commercials. They skip through their little, like, little sound bites where they're like, hey, speaking of Instagram, have you bought a phone lately? You, wanna, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Whatever. But yeah, interesting. Do books though. Dude, let's talk about books. Right. I talk to you about anything forever, dude. 
books. What book do you think club. of Dante's Inferno? I haven't read it. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. You just told me the concept of it. Yeah. I like I've I've skipped over it. I'm not that familiar with it. I am, there's uh there's Slaughterhouse, right? Like there's oh. like a few books that You mean Slaughterhouse 5? Slaughterhouse 5. Yeah, Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. So that is explaining something else. So like there's a couple books that it, Oh, I didn't know that. I remember reading that and yeah. not, not catching the deeper meaning. Yeah. So there's there's a, a few books that I think they always get like grouped in that. But I don't know. I did. I speak. I read the book that you gave me. Um, Only an Irish boy. What'd you think? It was awesome. I really enjoyed reading it, dude. And the, uh, you know, Andy is right. So yeah. Andy, um, you know, doesn't. There's like very few times in the book. There's one specific time where he's really hungry and poor. And um, and that's the only time he ever really questions his poverty. You know what I mean? That's right. Right. And uh, but and when and he's put in that place as a result of somebody, you know, the man trying to get him. And when then he's back on top, how he takes, you know, he takes pity on on the person who put him there i i I really like the book i mean i think that it's in many ways i I knew it was a story that's really sounds like you actually you know like i mean yeah truly right on no i dude i i I, yeah i appreciate that the uh so that book was written by horatio alger right and my friend pete that is out in new york is a horatio alger award winner so this is a big deal it's for Mm -hmm. an orphan that treated his life like this so the the story of of only an irish boy is kid is totally down on his uh, luck like his father died he was an orphan Mm -hmm. his mother's taking care of him and they're poor she like cleans houses and he encounters all these obstacles, a kid getting in his way and bullying him and and needing money and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is how he kind of fights through it. I think this way of the warrior kid is an updated version of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, dude. So you think about these books. They're like, man, why can you read these old books? I think every generation, like there's people that work with me, you know what I mean? That are 10 years younger than me. And like, they think that I'm old and I'm like, man, shut up. dude. And I get what they're saying. I probably thought that, you know, somebody 10 years older than me was old too. But like maybe the way we say things is different, but everybody basically feels the same. You know what I mean? There's like different ways of thinking, but do you think there wasn't like super progressive people a thousand years ago? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that stuff and they were pushing the envelope like there will be people after them that think they're old and their ways of thinking are outdated. But I've thought that I was like when I was like, you know, uneducated and not. I would read these classic books, right? And they're like one of like the only books that I knew like the names of. Like I read a Farewell to Arms, right? Oh yeah. And I was cool. I was and I'm like recently, I don't want to talk about like reading. So I thought so I read um these books that are classics and then you realize how interwoven they are in our culture. Oh yeah, that's mind blowing. Right. Like so very specific lines, dude, crossing the Rubicon. Oh, right? yeah. Right. So Julius Caesar, this little tiny river, it means like, you know, when he crossed over this little there's river. There's no going back. There's no going back because you're an invader into Rome right? now. That's right. And so we have a Jeep called the Rubicon. You know what I'm saying? We have, oh, like, I never realized yeah, that. We have, you know, ha! people say like, we're crossing the Rubicon, whatever, in business or whatever it is. And I'm like, dude, they probably don't know that that was from how many hundreds of years ago? That, I don't, was that a thousand years ago? I don't know. Yeah. And um, Caesar, like, taking some horses and some men over a little tiny river that still stands for, like, 
we're burning the boats, right? So it's funny you bring up this like time scale thing, right? And we're thinking like Greeks or, you know, I don't know, a thousand years ago, Romans, what, mm-hmm. you know, um, when I was at my last talk, I was giving an example to try and show how deeply embedded storytelling is. Mm-hmm. And I was explaining that basically I put two dots on there present day and 10,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And 10,000 years ago is when the invention of agriculture happened. So, you know, in little pockets all over the world. So basically everything that's happened in civilization has happened between those two dots, you know, pottery, roads, bridges, cars, satellites, everything happened there. And then I go, uh, I push a button and the, the uh, dots start sliding and another one comes up and it's 15,000 years ago. And I was like, that is when we domesticated dogs. So dogs were actually with us as a part of how humans were around for, for 5,000 years before we got agriculture. But then if you, the dots move again and they, they press a little bit closer and then you see the, the, the number 50,000. 50,000 years ago is when humans, and that's, that's a conservative estimate, conserv- uh, that uh, humans developed um, speech. Really? And once they developed speech, everything changed for them because now they could start communicating concepts and coordinating between the other apes, right? Like, there may, it's, not, it's no longer are you reliant on your instincts. Now you can communicate a message to tell somebody wait, avoid that. And let me tell you why. And now let's make a plan for the future. Now let's talk about the future. Let's have a concept of things that go beyond us, things that came before us, all of those things. So 50,000 years ago is when we got stories. That's why it's so deeply embedded in us. Hmm. That's why when you read a story, you're like sitting there. It doesn't even matter if they're talking about a fairy princess or a spaceship guy or anything. You're sitting there being like, what is this? What is the inner meaning here that I can pull away, that mm-hmm. I can learn from, that I can have wisdom? Wow! Imagine that just you are alone, getting by on your labor alone, and your labor and your understanding dies with you. Right? Crazy, dude. So then we develop speech, and now your labor is scaled, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now now coordination can happen. Hierarchies can happen for things other than brute strength. Wow. Yeah. Have you ever seen petroglyphs? Have you ever gone somewhere? So in Las Vegas, there is, if you go to my Twitter, the banner. What is a petroglyph? So it's where it's on stone and then they carve it into them. And so, you know, generally they're pretty old. Yes. And if you go into the Valley of Fire outside of Las Vegas, it's like 30, 45 minute drive or something like that. Mm -hmm. You go down into this valley and then you get out of your car and you walk about a half a mile. And then this canyon starts building up around you. And every once in a while, you look up and you're like, oh, there, there's a petroglyph, you know, like, oh, there's another one. And you keep walking. And before you know it, you realize when every actually everywhere I look, there are petroglyphs. It's like a cathedral made out of these things with people having pounded um, what looks like other humans, what looks like a medicine man, snakes, really, you know, things that are you could not be there by accident. And they're way up on the walls and they're hundreds or even thousands of years old. It's amazing. I've never heard of it. I'm going to go. I love Vegas, dude. And the the petroglyphs are the original storytelling, right? Yeah. It'd be the original capture of an idea so it can live on beyond the author. Wow. What have you been reading? Oh, man. Um, well, I, I, uh, I've been reading Jackie Joyner Kersey's autobiography. She's which, such a nice lady. He's she is. Oh and, my God, she's nice too. And her, she's going to come on the podcast. We just haven't been able to arrange it. She's, mm-hmm. you know, she was like, yeah, I want to do it. So, um, but her book 
reads exactly like her personality mm-hmm. and that it's so bubbly and happy and excited mm-hmm. that it's like really pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. And then uh, I've been reading the history of salt. So that is really interesting. I had no concept that um, for many, many generations, salt was something people warred over. They, they, it was like do or die because your body can't produce it. You can't get enough from plants. So if you want to have enough of this mineral that the body needs to have neurological function and a whole bunch of other things, you got to have salt. Really? So this, this book is the history of it. And I've gotten maybe a few hundred years into the history of it, but it goes all the way back to like ancient Chinese times and how do they use it to preserve fish and vegetables, things like that. This sounds like, dude, what do you say? I'm reading the history of salt. It sounds, no pun intended, <laughs> so dry, dude. <laughs> I'm reading about sand. <laughs> but you know, there are people out there that read books about sand. Oh, no, of course, dude. And they're probably some of the most interesting people ever. But you think about that. Some of these things, I remember, man, when I was in China, I went to this, I went to a, uh, this huge factory and we were driving by this factory and I fell asleep. I woke up and we were still driving by wow. that building. It was massive. And I was like, man, what are these people building in here? And I, we, 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 we went in and they were, there was like the floor vibrated, dude. The whole, the whole building did. And there was probably, it was huge, huge miles long. This building was dude. And, uh, I've never even heard of a miles long building. It is so big, and I'll 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 th- I'll find it, and I'll show just send you a when I when I tweet this episode, then just somebody it find there. it. Okay, <laughs> dude, they make nuts and bolts at this place, and it was all automated, and they shake them from place to place to finish them, dude. And I had never in my life considered. I was like standing there, and I was like, everything that's held together in the world. <laughs> Oh, it's by it came out of this place. Wow. Right? I was just started thinking about I was like, man, this is the, it was the, like the biggest nut and bolt manufacturer in the world. They made screws and other things, of course, but it was all fasteners. And I was like, everything in the world. Like, but like these things that are innocuous that you never consider salt, right? But like literally keeps the world going. But it's, you know, uh a fish in water. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, to me, learning about things like this is what should keep you humble. Right. Because because like you start thinking like I got the world figured out. I know how things work. Da, da, da. You, you know, like you try and construct a hat on your own. Forget about it. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think about that all the time. Sometimes I wonder, I'm like, is there something wrong with me? I think about two, th- like a couple of things on a regular basis. If a big rock blocked the door, like, could I kill the people that I'm in the room with? Or like, would I be the leader to get people out of there? Right. And that's, I don't know. Do I, you think about that when you lift? Like, do you use, do you use like rage moments to, uh, to get you going? I was I worked out today. I benched 345 two times. Oh, damn. Boosh, boosh. I went to get the third one up and um, I was, but that's the most I've ever done. Congratulations, yeah, man. And I'm in there. I go, I'm like, <clears throat> like I get weird and I think about like, uh, I think about throwing the weight through the ceiling and like screaming. Yeah. Like if I could be in there screaming, I would, you know, it'd just be weird. That has to get asked to leave. Yeah. I mean, and the people that do go make all their noises unconstrained. Everyone in the gym hates. Yeah, dude. But they're not putting up 345. (laughs) I, I, I totally think I think I think I'm like, I will effing kill you is what I think when I'm doing that. 
I will kill. I don't know who you is, but I'll kill you. You know, is what I think. And I get rage. So I used to have the rage, like listen to lots of loud music. Mm -hmm. And now um, in jujitsu, my biggest problem that right now, like coach will roll me to the ground, pin me down there. You Mm -hmm. met coach. Yeah. And uh, and he'll say uh, you should flow like water. You should relax. Your problem is not that you don't do the moves. You're not strong enough. You're not flowing like water. And it's because every time you lift, right, you take that little bit of extra energy to get flex out of your muscle and you (laughs) hold your breath. Mm -hmm. I was converting that and that kind of rage mentality into jujitsu. And it's not the same thing. So it's like weird. You think of all these things that you're these patterns you're building, Mm -hmm. which is why you got to come to jujitsu. Oh, I know. I know I do, dude. And as a matter of fact, like I know that I know coach and I know like my cousin worked with him for a real long time. Wow. And my cousin's is small world. But the, uh, yeah. Anyways, the, um, we were talking about fasteners and then you were talking about lifting and- fasteners, lifting, uh, salt, ordinary things, ordinary things that are like, that are that you say and keep you humble. It would be like literally dude, I've been reading a ton about Caesar July is named after Julius Caesar. He went to Egypt. Like the, the timeline of the dude, this stuff that this dude did is so insane. You know what I mean? He's uh, He gets asked to leave Rome. He becomes a governor. He's like, put me next to the Gauls, I think, right? And then he like conquers what is, you know, modern day France and doubles um, Roman's empire, right? And then they're like, man, we better get this dude out of here. He's like people are loving him because he's sending all this money back. And then so when he comes back, they're like, we got to say that he's a terrorist and he attacked, you know, I didn't know they did that to him. Wow. Dude. So his name is Pompey, right? So Pompey was the dude that like put him in as a stooge, you know, to run the Senate Caesar. And then people started liking him. He's like, you're out of here. Right. Cause they didn't want anybody having more influence than them or being liked more than them, which is like super vain. Right. But then Caesar was so ambitious and he's like with I, I love this history, dude, but he's with Brutus's mom. Right. I just I, I think that history repeats itself so much, dude. And I don't want to like keep like, going, dude, man. This is great. So this crazy. Great. But I've been Solid reading gold. it and I've been thinking like, oh, my God, this stuff is awesome. So Caesar um, was like, hey, we're going to take a vote today on uh, bringing e- eating donuts every Tuesday or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And everybody's like, no, we don't want donuts on Tuesday. And he's like, OK. And Pompey's like, dude, I put you in here to push these things through. We're going to get you out of here. And he's like, let me handle it my way. And Caesar was a general, right? Caesar was a was a beast. Him and Marcus Aurelius, not Marcus Aurelius, Mark Antony. Mark Antony. Yeah, I'm, I'm, these names yeah. are all familiar yeah. to so me. Mark Antony. No- Mark Antony was a general of their homies. And, um, and and so he's like, dude, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me see what I can do. And Caesar has his goons go beat all these senators up, right? So the next time they come to meet, he's like, we're going to, donuts on Tuesday? Everybody's like, yeah, donuts on Tuesday. <laughs> so they end up, he starts, he's with Brutus's mom, who eventually betrays him and stabs him, right? But Brutus's mom was a descendant of uh, the person who founded Rome. I can't remember his name right now. But the, um, so she knows like how to move politically and she starts coaching Caesar and Caesar gets like big time and then they kick him out. Pompey's like, they're going to, he's going to be more influential than us. They kick him out. He goes, conquers the Gauls, expands the Roman empire by, you know, a hundred percent starts sending the money back. He's going back a champion. Right. And then they say, if he comes back here with this influence and money, 
we're on we're his hit list. Yeah. So and we already know that he'll beat P's willing to beat <laughs> right. So they say, um, you know, war crimes. He used Roman soldiers for his own political gain. Okay. So he used his he used our soldiers for his own political gain. And then they um they said we'll abandon the city. Right. So this is over the course of like four years. Okay. You're kicked out. You expand the empire hundred percent. Come back, you're a terrorist. Pompey and all the senators leave. They're like, we'll abandon the city and he'll be so stupid and vain that he'll take Rome. Okay. So then they leave. But, but why do they think that that would be a bad thing? So they think Caesar will take Rome. Yeah. They're going to go get a bunch of soldiers, come back and kill him when he's fat and happy and lazy. Okay. okay. So Caesar. Pull this microphone up. Mark Anthony says, hey, they gave us Rome. And he's like, they, he's like, well, we're passing that. We got to go kill all these dudes. Right. Or else he sees the writing on the wall. They gave this up as bait. So. They had a 200-mile lead. Imagine this, dude. You have, you know, 20,000 troops, and you're chasing people, and they're 200 miles ahead of you, and you're walking. He catches them as they're in boats sailing off. And Mark Anthony's like, they're gone. And he's like, wrong. Break down all the carts. Build boats. We're, we're getting them. And they sailed um, to Greece. And Mark, um, they build half, they build enough boats to carry 10,000 soldiers. This is, I've been reading, I've been like obsessed with this. So Caesar, he's like, build boats. As soon as they have enough boats to carry half their soldiers, Caesar says, I'm going to go. Mark Anthony, keep building boats. When you have enough boats, come, come catch me. So he goes and Poppy is, they, they, they look over this hill. He's there. He has a hundred thousand soldiers. Caesar has 10. Poppy comes out and he says, Hey man, you know, surrender to me. We'll go back to Rome and, um, we won't kill you, but you need to, you know, you know, apologize publicly and whatever, but, but I won't kill you. You'll be my political prisoner. And, um, he says, no, you came out here to, uh, cause you, you know, I'm going to defeat you and you're asking for forgiveness. And Poppy's like, what? They go back and Poppy says, get all the troops right now. We have to go attack him right now. They only have 10,000 people. Caesar goes back to camp. Mark Anthony pulls up with the other 10,000 soldiers, right? This stuff gets me so jazzed up, dude. Jazzed up. This yeah. is awesome. Okay. Keep going. I'm like right, spellbound. So, dude, so here we go. And I'm sure there's people that know more about this than me. And if you do, like, DM me stuff. Fine. I want to know more. Know, this dude, is the beginning. Let, let this be so, the dude, children's book. Right. So, in three hours, in three hours, Julius Caesar with his 20,000 soldiers who just got off of boats, kill 50,000 soldiers from Pompey's army and take 50,000 prisoners, which in the, that day, those prisoners are turning into slaves. But imagine, you know, you probably lost 5,000 of your soldiers. You have 15,000 soldiers who imprisoned 50 in three hours. They killed 50,000 people and took the rest of them as prisoners. Pompey leaves. Mark Anthony's like, let's go, man. Let's go back to Rome with these people. Each head is worth a thousand shillings or whatever, shekels. I don't know. <laughs> and Mark Anthony, or Caesar says, this will not stop until I catch him and kill him. Right? So he's like, Mark, Mark Anthony, you go back to Rome. Rule it until I get there. 
I'm going to get Pompey. He thinks to himself, Egypt owes him money. So he's going to go there and forgive them the debt in exchange for an army. This is what Caesar thinks that Pompey's going to do. So he goes to Egypt, and in that time, Pompey was there, meets with this child king who's 14 years old, who was fighting with his sister at the time, right? For power. So their dad died, made them marry before he died to consolidate power. So brother and sister are married. And, um, and then after dad dies, brother and sister are fighting for power. Okay. He goes, Caesar says, I'm here. I want, I know Pompey's here. He's like, yeah, I have him and brings him his head. Right. So when Pompey went and said, Hey, you know, I'll help you win your war here. Then you come back with me to Rome and help me win my war. And he says, I heard Caesar just wiped you out. You're weak and I'm killing you. And at the same time killing him, he forgives the debt that he owes the guy, right? (laughs) (laughs) So he kills him. But Caesar is so angry that someone who wasn't Roman killed a Roman, right? And even though this guy just killed his mortal enemy, he can't forgive because he's so... uh, That a a Roman citizen would be protected. That a Roman citizen should be protected, dude. I'm like, holy shit, this guy. This is all still within this four-year window, dude. All this has happened. They put, he's like, you're going to serve me and help me win my war against my sister. He says, I'm not doing anything for you, right? Because you killed this Roman. They put him on house arrest. They beat him and beat him and beat him. And the sister ends up sneaking in to Caesar. Who's the sister? Oh, Cleopatra. Cleopatra. No. God, dude. <laughs> yes. Yes. So this dude, let's go back, dude, is a brute. Gets put into Senate. Gets popular. They're like, you're out of here. He's like, okay, I'll expand the empire. I'm coming back. You're a terrorist. No, I'm not. I'm going to kill you. (laughs) I build the boats. I kill 50,000. I go to Egypt. I get imprisoned. I hook up with Cleopatra, right? He comes back to Rome, dude. After he's there for a while, shacking up with Cleopatra, helps her win, you know, like stabilizes Egypt. And then goes back to Rome and he says, and this is like, this starts to get crazy. He was like, things have been so screwed up since I've been gone. And Mark Anthony, dude, he's not a politician. He's just been killing people dude. <laughs> when they, when they get out of line, they're like, we're hungry. He's like, now you're dead. You know what I mean? And so people are complaining. People are hungry. complaining. <laughs> people are complaining because they're hungry and because they're hungry, they're getting killed. Caesar comes back, dude, revolutionizes food distribution. The way we store and food store and distribute food, we still use some of Caesar's principles. Okay, he's like, you guys have been so screwed up. Move this out. You can't hear that you. That we don't know what uh, day. It, what day is it? And they're like, we don't know. Caesar sets up a three hundred sixty-five day calendar. I didn't know that. Yeah, dude. July is named after Caesar. Oh my, Julius God. Caesar. Caesar had seizures right the dude was epileptic right so because he he was so smart like this is unbelievable he comes back he's like the calendar screwed up food screwed up and in the day you probably heard this like the romans during times of war you know it was a democracy but they would appoint a person to be uh yeah to for it to be a uh martial law martial law so there'd be you know there's one person uh not a democracy a uh, dictatorship dictatorship 
boom. So we got to do what this one guy says. So he's like, I'm a dictator for 10 years. And this is the crazy thing that, that happened. So all these people that were opposed that, that kicked him out when he come, he comes riding back, dude. And they're like, we're all dead. He calls everybody to order. And he says, not only are you not dead, I forgive you. Right. So let that be a lesson as to how we will rule. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, so they're like, oh my God. And then he says, and I'm running this for 10 years. And they're like, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't kill us. So he does all this stuff. And I, there's there's more and more and more. But like, talk about Lindy, right? Dude, yeah, I'm sold, Lundy? man. Lindy. 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 L-I-N-D-Y. These stories, the strategy, be strong and forgiving. You know what I mean? Be calculated. Know your enemy. Dude, have, uh, you know, honor and allegiance to your country not a man you know what i mean wow like i was re- i was reading this stuff and i was like dude i and i'm sure there's a lot of reasons i don't want to be julius caesar <laughs> you know what i mean but i'm reading this stuff i'm like man there is so much to learn here that is timeless and we think we get it wrong like we think that like you know because like instagram is popping and i need to like show that i'm like rich or whatever you know like i should probably be like serving and strategic with you know what i mean like who i am this is i mean you you painted the picture even clearer than i could but this is the type of adventure that i want to be going on with reading because it's so easy to get caught up in hey what are you guys reading and you get just random selections so let's find good books yeah dude that have deep deep meaning Mm -hmm. let's read them and then let's talk about it and see what other people pulled out of them yeah you're way smarter than me too i'm like looking forward to do i want to do this you're gonna do this all right i'm doing it and like you and I came to the party, which, by the way, dude, let me look into a camera real quick. You just look into that one. This is the classiest man I've ever met in my life. <laughs> if you're at the party, you understand what I'm saying. Dude, I learned so much from you. You're such a good dude. I got something for you, and I know you got to get out of here to go pick up your son. So this right here. Look at this, dude. <laughs> I got something for you. So this is uh, a gift that I want you to share with your kids. Okay. Some morning you're making pancakes or whatever. This is... Um, from Blue Merrill Apiaries, which is in Hartwick, New York. So I just got done meeting with the finest farmers in all of the land in New York. And it turns out we were in Binghamton, New York, which you probably have no idea. It's about an hour south of Syracuse. It's where the first Farm Bureau was ever started. And so they have the oldest, longest tradition of being in the Farm Bureau, which is a group of people that all own their own land Mm -hmm. that are trying to grow things that are valuable to sell to other people. But they get together and they say let's find a way to agree because there's a lot less of us and in the in the world of politics you have to uh, consolidate your power and so they all um, come to consensus on ideas and they talk about hardcore things like should we be involved in hemp production or marijuana Mm -hmm. and it's a really cool place and they gave me this honey and I want you to know that your kids can have it and you can tell them that I gave it to you Mm -hmm. from New York because I am so grateful that you came by, that I, I, people loved our interview the first time, and uh, and we got to develop a friendship. So yeah. if nothing else came out of this podcast, my friendship with you would be more than enough for all this effort. So I'm so glad you're here, and we'll figure out a way to do this book club and try and find Lindy books and make our book club Lindy. Maybe it'll be a hundred year old book club. Tight, all right, Sweet, brother. Dude, thanks be for good. coming by.